Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. There are over 10,000 street vendors in New York City, from street artists to halal carts and everything in between. Most of them are owned by immigrants and people of color. They often work long hours under challenging conditions, conditions that have only gotten worse throughout the pandemic. And of those 10,000 or so vendors, only some have access to vending licenses. Earlier this year, the city council finally passed legislation to lift the permit cap by 4,000. But there's still work to be done. Today, a conversation with Matthew Shapiro, the legal director of the Street Vendor Project at the Urban Justice Center, on why it is so important to bring vendors together. The organization has over 2,000 members, and together they advocate for the rights of street vendors in New York City. Before we begin, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. The Shortlist is a weekly curated sampling of McKinsey's need-to-know stories about work, the economy, and culture. 60% of Black workers live in the South. So I think you are seeing companies start to say, why don't, instead of expecting diverse talent to move to us, why don't we open up a hub in a more diverse location? That's Brian Hancock from the McKinsey Talks Talent Podcast featured in a recent Shortlist newsletter. He's discussing the future of work. For more of our best ideas, quick and curated, check out the shortlist at mckinsey.com forward slash shortlist. That's mckinsey.com forward slash shortlist. And thanks. Now, back to the show. Here's my conversation with Matthew. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Street Vendor Project? What do they do? Uh, Sure. Uh, My name is Matthew Shapiro, and I'm the legal director of the Street Vendor Project at the Urban Justice Center. Uh, and I've been working at the Street Vendor Project since 2009. The Street Vendor Project is a uh, community organization and sort of like a worker center for all of the people who sell food and merchandise on the streets and sidewalks in New York City. And we organize vendors in order for them to have a voice in the city policies that affect them and also advocate for changes to laws and regulations to make street vending a more viable business in New York City. What are some of the problems that street vendors have been facing and how have these problems changed throughout the pandemic? The main problems that street vendors face in New York City and have always faced in New York City is that there have been many barriers in place for them to, to do business viably or legally. There is a lack of a lack of permits and licenses that are available but still required for vendors, and there are lots of rules that regulate where and how you can set up your vending business that make it really tough for vendors to work legally. So those barriers make it really difficult for vendors to operate. Uh, During the pandemic, they suffered, vendors by and large suffered from a lack of business like any other small business in New York City. Uh, The lack of foot traffic, the lack of tourists and office workers really resulted in significant uh, decreases in sales Many vendors stopped working for uh, for a lot of time. Uh, even now, uh, in many areas of the city, vendors have not gone back to work, or or if they have, they're not uh, anywhere near the same amount of. Uh, there's not anywhere near the same amount of business that, that had been there pre-pandemic, and that's because, uh, as we all know, uh, office workers have not really returned in, in the central business districts. Uh, to- 
tourists, especially international tourists, have not really returned. So many vendors who rely on those markets are, are still struggling. And what kind of expenses do these street vendors have? Oh, well, vendors have lots of expenses. Um, they, have to, uh, they have licensing and permitting fees from the city. They have to pay for their uh, food cart. If they own their own food cart, it could be, you know, depending on the kind of cart, it could be anywhere from a few thousand dollars to twenty or thirty thousand um, dollars. They have to pay for transportation to transport their cart to and from their vending spot. They have a vehicle or if they have to pay someone to transport their cart for them. Uh, at night, these carts are stored in uh, health department approved commissary garages, and they have to pay monthly rent to store their carts there or trucks. And then, of course, they have all the other same expenses like any other business that their employees, if they have supplies. If you're if you're a food vendor, uh, you need to have a license, uh, which uh, you can get from the city. I think you have to pay a hundred dollars. Uh, and you have to renew it every two years. But the permit is the sticker that goes on your card. And the problem is, is that you can't get one from the city because they, these permits have been limited in number. So there's, in 1983, the city put a limit on the number of food vendor permits. So you can't get one from the city. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have one of these permits, most likely you're not working anymore. You rent it out on this underground market uh, for up to twenty or $25,000 for a two-year period. But the permit owner who holds the permit is only paying $200 to the city. So it's a big, big expense. And it's a big problem because vendors cannot get these permits in their own name and they have to turn to this underground market and they have to pay a lot of money uh, to, to rent them. And out of all the things that you guys have seen and that you guys do for these street vendors, what are some of the things that benefits them the, the most? Well, I think just the idea of, of having vendors organized so they can so they can have a say in, in what's going on that affects them. I mean, for, for decades and even centuries, uh, street vendor policy was determined by people who weren't vendors. It was determined by politicians and then larger business interests who were usually opposed to street vendors, made up of real estate uh, and, other, and other business associations who didn't want vendors on the street. And some of them still don't want vendors on the street today because they, they think that it doesn't make the city, it decreases their property values or it makes the city look poor or dirty uh, or it presents unfair competition to so-called legitimate businesses. So all of these uh, reasons are why these uh, anti-vendor interests have controlled uh, the vending system for many, many years. So having vendors organized in a way that they can tell their story and they can, they can have their voice uh, sort of in the mix uh, of what is needed for them to, to maintain their business, uh, I think is really, really crucial. Yeah. And what should New Yorkers keep in mind or be aware of when it comes to street vendors in a post-pandemic world? Yeah, I would say like anything, you know, we don't, we shouldn't take them for granted. Uh, most people just walk by them or maybe they'll get a cup of coffee or a lunch uh, from, from a food cart. But, you know, these are, these are people who have families to support most of the time. And uh, it's, they have a tough life because it's very, very difficult to be a street vendor in New York City. I mean, it's difficult to be to work in any type of small business. But when you're a street vendor, you don't have that door that you can close to your restaurant or you're just a lot more vulnerable because you're out on the sidewalk and you're subject to an immense amount of government oversight and regulation. And then, uh, you know, also have to deal with everything that's going on uh, while working in public space, construction, you know, maybe some conflict with local businesses if that happens. 
So it's very difficult. So I would say, you know, just don't take don't take vendors for granted. They're they're an essential part of New York City. You can learn more about the Street Vendor Project by using the link in our show notes. Like Matthew said, street vendors, especially those in areas of New York City that rely on tourism or commuters, struggled during the pandemic, and they still are today. I spoke with halal cart owner Hani Wali. Hani works in the financial district of Manhattan. He's had his cart for 19 years, but during the pandemic, he had to stop working for a year. When the pandemic came in March, I stayed as well for almost nine months out of work, no any like any nothing to get money from. And even I put on money from my friends to pay my rent and stuff like this. So it was so hard for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And now when I started working uh, for almost now six months now, but it still is not like business like before. Yeah, I wanted to talk about how was business before? How many clients would you usually get per day? I used to work on Wall Street. I used to work there for almost like four years. But I used to have a whole business because it used to be the whole buildings has people working. So you got a lot of business. Mm-hmm. Now it's like hard. You know, not a lot of people working in the building. So sometimes now you make business one day. The next day is less. The next day is less. One day, have more. if you don't have no tourists, you were in the, in the city. Hani also told me about how the conditions have been worse ever since he's reopened his business. And what about you? Um, did you feel safe like when you came back to work? Um, how did you protect yourself? Actually, I went back to work, but I, I was protecting myself. Mm-hmm. I use all the types of sanitizer, uh, gloves. Even when I take the money from the customer, I put my gloves, I teach my gloves, like I finish the whole, like almost two boxes of gloves a day, because I want to sit myself from this, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's hard, when, like someone, you, you like, it's so hot outside, 90 degrees, and inside the car, you have a grill, steam tables, like fryers, so with the mask on all day, with all these heats, I come home, like, I, like, I have a headache, you know what I mean? Wow, yeah. It's so hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every day, Hani takes a bus and then a train to get into the city and opens his cart from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. He's tired, but he needs the money to support his family in Egypt. Out of 19 years of doing business, this year has been the hardest. Was there ever a time that was similar to this, like that where it was just business was really bad or this has been the worst? No, I never had bad business before like now. Before I used to have another spot a long time ago, I used to make good money. I I never like stuck with anything. I never like uh, borrow money from nobody. I would have enough for myself, for my family, send them money too. I was relaxed, you know. Yeah. Even I used to live in a bigger place and more rent, more money for rent. But now I can't. Like I can't breathe. Like it's not enough money to to pay for all this. And that's why I, sometimes I'm so tired 
like I want to take day off, but I said to myself, if I take day off, it's going to be losing money. As we've talked about in other episodes of our podcast, small businesses like Hani's still need our help. Despite the large part of our community being vaccinated, tourism and commuting are not back in full force. On top of that, there's an uptick in COVID cases, and business owners often can't tell if customers are vaccinated or not. At Epicenter, we don't just tell these stories. We do our best to find ways to help. We'd love for you to join us in that mission. Check out our membership options by using the link in our show notes. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.